And we're back. This is Mike Cernovich from DangerInPlay.com and Gorilla Mindset with a 1 million listen podcast episode. So today, maybe we'll be a little self-indulgent. Maybe we won't. I always try to talk about you in the end, even when I talk about myself. So today is pretty cool. We hit 1 million podcast listens relatively recently. We're actually because of the way iTunes counts it and because of the way my stats were all screwed up early on, I didn't know how to track it. We're probably closer to 1.5 million and maybe even 2 million, but I don't, I don't like lying about stats and I really don't like people who are dishonest about web traffic and other stuff because, well, a lot of reasons. One is it gives people unrealistic expectations. People think, oh, you know, 1 million listens on a podcast is a lot. And if you don't think it's a lot, well, I mean, you're listening to my podcast, right? A lot of people listen to it. And if I told you guys I get a million podcast listens a month, you're going to think, well, why even start a podcast? Man, how can you even get a million podcast listens in a month? That's just crazy. When I started off, though, I don't know how, how long has the podcast, podcast been going. I, f- I forget. Not that long, though. I don't even – maybe not even two years, I don't think. But I remember I would do a podcast. I was thrilled to get you know 50 listens within an hour. Then 500 in a day. I was going back through my old screen caps, and I remember I screen capped it and texted it to a friend of mine, like, "Yeah, man, you know, got 500 podcast listens." And now the podcast, you know, they're doing you know like 10,000 an episode would be um, would be pretty typical, which is pretty good, especially because I can't count my iTunes listens. It'll only count how iTunes downloads it. But if somebody downloads it and listens to it two or three times on iTunes, I don't get to see that. So anyhow, that's pretty cool. You know, if you think of it, I I have around 10,000 people roughly listen to every podcast. That's that's not too shabby. And it all started off with, like we said in the last podcast, just get going, just get started. It all started in the living room with a friend of mine. Hey, no idea. No idea how to do it, right? No idea how to do a podcast. You just figure it out. You start talking. You say things. People start to listen. You learn how to edit a podcast. You learn how to get it on iTunes. I didn't know how to get it on iTunes at first, which is actually easy. Channel art, all this stuff, right? The, the details people get lost in in life are crazy. And I thought about a good line I heard the other day, which is, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Second best time to plant a tree is today. Same thing with anything in life, right? The best time to start a podcast, I should start a podcast five years ago. But hey, second best time to start it was a year and a half ago. Third best time to start it was today. Now, some people say, oh, you know, what good are podcasts? And you can, you can go into a lot of different, I don't want to sell you on, you should go start a podcast because if you don't want to, don't do it. But whatever it is you start, I do want you to kind of think about um, benefits. You know, why do you do it? Be more cerebral, be more conscious, think more. And for me personally, podcasts do, they have a number of benefits. One is that if I want to talk to somebody, I can just say, Hey, I get this podcast, check it out on iTunes. I, uh, thanks to all of you, like 400 ratings now. So it's a, it's a real serious podcast. And, you know, hey, maybe this guy, maybe I just want to talk to somebody, right? Because I think the person's cool. Great. They're going to be on my podcast. Whereas if I just said, hey, dude, I'm a fan of your writing. You want to go grab coffee? They probably would say no. But if I say, hey, let's talk on my podcast and get you exposed to more people, 
suddenly people that might otherwise be too busy to talk to me want to talk to me. That's, pre- that's pretty cool if you think about it. And another benefit is, of course, it sells audiobooks. People get used to your voice. They like your message. They buy your audiobooks. Most audiobooks are 5% of total book sales for authors. And for, for mine, it's around 20% actually, which is, which is pretty crazy. 20% of my book sales are from audio. That's only because of the podcast. Uh, another benefit is you're just people who listen to podcasts are smarter. That's why I don't do much with YouTube. YouTube is full of idiots. Now, it's a big audience, but I don't want to deal with the idiots, all right? That's where you also have to start thinking about your life is hassle, man. So in, in life, you go through stages. When you start off, you're willing to put up with kind of any kind of hassle to get what you want to get. And that's how you have to be when you're young. You have to deal with – you have to eat shit basically. There's really no choice. That's what you have to do. But here's what happens. People really deal with the hassle. They deal with stress. They deal with acrimony. And then they quote, make it, unquote. All right, I've made it. And they never change. They never evolve. They never say, okay, I've made it. Whatever this it that I've wanted, I have. Now I'm going to redesign my life to make sure I have more of what I want. I see that a lot, especially with men, successful men. They don't really transition. And a lot of that has to do with stages of life. As a men and women, we are very emotionally stunted. The you know, a forty year old man doesn't want to be wise. Forty year old man wants to color his hair and be cool. You know, wear the baseball cap. Yeah, I'm cool, man. Or I'm the cool dad. Not I'm the wise, strong dad. I'm just cool. Um, women, if you ever watch those reality shows, I encourage you to watch one. Is a study in cultural anthropology. They want to be high school girls. They don't want to think, "Wow, this is amazing. I've created human life. I have these daughters. I'm going to mentor them. I'm going to mentor my sons. I'm going to be an amazing parent." No, they just think I want to be a vapid, a basic bitch, right? They're forty-year-old basic bitches. So I kind of call it the. I maybe even did a YouTube on this one day. I call it the rise of the forty-year-old bro and the rise of the forty-year-old basic bitch. Forty-year-old women, they're just basic, same basic nonsense that they were doing twenty, twenty-five. They are forty. There's been no spiritual growth. There's been no development of the psyche. There's been no evolution. Same thing with men. 40-year-old bro, yeah, bro, what's up, bro, yeah, bros, we're bros, bros. 22-year-old college kids are bros, right? Maybe 28-year-old club kid is a bro. Okay, you're in your 30s, you want to start thinking about transitioning. And then, of course, the irony is that the 40-year-old bros are desperate to be cool. Me, I'm like, dude, I'm 38, I'm not cool. But I have a huge audience of young people like, Mike, dude, you're like the coolest guy ever, which I think is hilarious because I'm not cool. I've never been cool. But when you don't really care about being cool – that makes you cool. So it's kind of the Zen, right? Where you don't want to be the, the, the bro or whatever. And then suddenly people think you're cool because you don't want it. It's really weird. But you want it, you want to start thinking about, you know, transitioning. Do you do you have enough? I, I know lawyers with so much money that could quit the game. I know and nobody wants to quit the game, but you could take on fewer cases, right? You could take on fewer new clients. You could take on different customers. There's all kinds of ways that I see men never change their business, even though they're stress balls. And then they're not really, they're not really having fun. They're not enjoying their life. They're not getting what they want in their free time. So then you have to think, you know, I want to get what I want to get is what you think when you're younger. And then as you get a little bit older and more established, you start to think, all right, what am, you know, what am I giving up? And that's an issue personally I deal with all the time. You know, people, are always like, Mike, 
You could be as big as Tony Robbins. You could be as big as Tim Ferriss. You could be as big as Grant Cardone. You could be as big as, you know, all those whatever, right? But I look at how those people live and I just think I would not want to live that way. That's a very boring life. You have to be very fake, artificial. You make one wrong tweet. You say one off-color thing and then boom, you're done, right? Your reputation's ruined. That uh, ESPN fired a guy because he posted um, a meme on his Facebook. The guy's a baseball commentator, right? So I think in terms of what am I giving up? What would I be giving up to get whatever it is I want to get? Oh, okay. So if I go mainstream, what am I going to get? Well, I'm going to be around boring people, uh, right? So you want to always write these lists down, guys. This is, how, and I do it all in my head because I'm an introvert. All right, I go mainstream. All right, now I get more money. Definitely get more money because then I could do corporate speaking. Now this is all blown away, by the way. This is just how this is a conscious decision I made years ago. A lot of you don't know how I make my money, so I'll tell you how people who write books make money. People like me make the real money not in books. You make it in giving corporate speaking, corporate speaking gigs. So Gorilla Mindset, I make a nice, comfortable salary off of it, way more than I ever thought possible. I never thought that I'd make a full-time salary off of writing books. It's great. But I could 10x at least the book money because what happens? Well, people read the Gorilla Mindset and – they think, oh, this guy's great. I'm going to bring him into my corporation and we'll pay him five, 10, 20 grand a day to give a mindset seminar, right? Or to give a, a keynote. Market rate for somebody with my readership and my insight and a book like I have is 25 grand a day, right? So I'm giving, I give up the big books and that was a decision I made years ago because then you're a slave, right? Then I can't talk about what I want to talk about. I can't do what I want to do. And now, sure, I go a little bit maybe wilder than I need to be on the internet, but think, take a guy like Scott Adams. He's done Dilbert for 27 years, brought joy to the world. Great guy, cool guy, smart guy, nice guy, intelligent guy. He started writing about Trump and said, specifically, I disavow Trump. I don't agree with him at all. I don't necessarily want him to win. However, Trump is a very persuasive person, and let me explain to you what Trump is doing. Well, we interviewed him for a silenced uh, movie on the war on free speech, and he had told us there that his corporate speaking gifts have, have basically dried up only because he has talked about Trump in a positive light. So you can say, man, Trump is a racist, homophobic, Islamophobic, sexist, bigot, right? Oh, but he's really persuasive, and let's talk about what he uses and maybe how you can learn from that. Well, that's it. You're done. You're, you know, you're done. So why would I want to do that, right? Why would I want to make that trade? Now, other people, they make these trades all the time. Now, there are a lot of people. It's a good problem to have to have to, to make that trade. But there are a lot of people, they have money, and they are trading their health for money. They're stressed. They have anxiety, even though they, they are doing fine financially, right? There are other people that they're trading time on the internet or time playing video games or time working. It could be with their kids, right? Sometimes I wonder at people, I look at them and I'm like, you have a wife and three kids and you're just goofing off on the internet all day. It's especially funny because you'll see it in these so-called family values conservative people, right? Oh, I'm a conservative pundit and I'm here to lecture all of you on why you're not good people, right? And then you look and it's 500 tweets a day and thinking, okay, you're a dad and you're lecturing me about 
what it means to be a true conservative or family values. Where are your kids, dude? Do you spend time with your kids or are you just trolling you know, people on Twitter all day? Well, they're making that trade. They want that attention. You, you know, they're saying attention from strangers on the internet is more important than uh, mentoring and nurturing my child. Hey, that's your life. We all got a life to live. We all have choices to make, but you, you are making a trade. And you want to start thinking about that with what you do in life, and then you want to find out if the trade is worth it. I would trade to, to be mainstream, and I'm going mainstream anyway. That's why it's kind of funny too. People don't even know what I'm doing. They told me I was crazy when I had 1,000 Twitter followers, 4,000. I have 41,000, you know, and I keep growing every month by like 5,000 a month. But people still think they know what they, that I, they, people think they know how I should run my business, but that's another conversation. You want to start thinking trade. What are you trading? And what are you getting out of it? Because you are making a trade with everything. You're trading your time every day of your life. You are making a trade right now. You're trading time to listen to me. You could be doing any number of things right now. I think it's a good trade. But there are people who say, Mike, you know, I read your Twitter. I don't like it. And I say, well, don't read my Twitter then. And that kind of takes people aback because there's multiple trades going on there. If listening to me doesn't edify your life, if reading Danger and Play doesn't edify your life, if I don't force you to – face uncomfortable truths and to grow as a person, to become more enlightened, to live a better life, then I don't want you reading me because that's a bad trade for you. You're getting a raw deal. You're just re- you're reading me, you're listening to me, and you're not getting anything out of it. Now, on the other hand, if I just stopped doing what I, you know, if I just did what certain people who complain a lot wanted me to do, now I'm trading my artistic freedom, my free spirit, my joy for what I do every day to make that person happy. Is that a fair trade? It isn't. It isn't a fair trade either way. Now, you think about that in relationships. Oh, I, I sacrificed myself for another person. Okay, you made a trade. You know, Was the trade worth it? So you're trading your time constantly. You're trading your time for money. You do that when you work. You trade your time for leisure activities. Anytime, remember, if you're doing something right now, it means you're not doing something else. So if you're, I don't know, cheating on your wife, You're not spending time with your kids. Well, is that a good trade? That's for you to decide. I'm not here to lecture people. I'm here to help people make higher conscious and more informed, better decisions. That's the trade you're making. Is the trade worth it? If it is, all right. That's between you and whatever morality you happen to live by or whatever religion you have. Or if you have no religion, it's between you and your own conscience. Fine. But you are making a trade. If you're making an emotion right? If you're angry, you've made a trade. You've chosen to spend your time being angry rather than being something else, right? Do you ever think of it that way? Most people don't. Most people don't realize I'm angry right now. I'm choosing to spend my time being angry. Is that a good, is that a good deal, right? Think of it that way. Is that a good deal? I'm angry. I'm losing my time being angry And what I'm getting out of it, out of this choice that you're making, is that I feel bad. How how is that good, right? How is is that a smart trade? It's a low consciousness trade. But until you start analyzing your time and your own decision making and your own habits of mind and habits of thought and physical habits, you don't even think of it that way. That's why we we talk about mindfulness. What is mindfulness? And there's a whole chapter in Gorilla Mindset, you know. 
people want to debate, oh, mindfulness means you reach this namaste, zen state of only perceiving and not judging. And that's one way to look at it. But I just think of, well, the uh, mindfulness is the opposite of mindlessness. If you're angry, you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm angry. I'm in a bad mood. And that's mindless because it just happened. And you're accepting it passively rather than being mindful and saying, okay, it's happening and here's how I can change it. Here's how I can let the, the bad mood dissipate. Here's how I control my thoughts. It's a choice you can make in the moment. It's a choice you can make any time. But until you realize that it is a choice, then you're going to live a very mindless, low consciousness life. It's the same way with trading. You're trading your time for money. You're trading how you spend your time on one thing versus spending it on something else, right? You have so much time and how you spend to choose your time is part of a trade. You can trade your time to watch TV. What do you get out of it? All right. We all got to relax. We all have to do that. So I'm not judging anybody who watches a little bit of television now and then. As long yeah, I watched Game of Thrones last night, actually. But as long as it's a conscious thing, okay, I'm tired. I've worked hard. I want to relax a little bit. I'm going to watch an hour of TV because it'll improve my performance. Great. You've now made a high conscious decision, a high conscious trade. And we need more of that. We need more people to just make higher level decisions and to realize that how you feel is a decision. It's a trade you're making with yourself. And we don't often think of that. When you feel a certain way, you're kind of negotiating with yourself is the way you look at it. You know, If I'm angry, I just say, instead of blaming the person who made me angry, I say, Mike, you're angry. Is that really, do you really want to be an angry dude? Is that what you want to do? Do you want to be angry right now? And then in my own head, I say, no, nah, actually, I don't want to be angry. Maybe sometimes I do. Sometimes when you're angry, you're a little bit more creative. You get that focus, a little bit of adrenaline. There is a point, but it's when your anger becomes blind rage. So you need to have these conversations with yourself. I'm really sad right now. Okay, do I want to be sad? Am I a sad person? Is that how I define myself? Is that my identity? No. No, I'm not a sad person. Okay, I'm going to make a different decision. I'm going to make a different trade with myself. I'm going to make another deal with myself. I'm going to make a better deal with myself. I'm going to make a choice to be not sad or a choice to be happy or a choice to be more productive or whatever. But you get the point. you got to start thinking about what you're getting, yeah, but also what you're giving up. And that is definitely going to depend on the, the stage of your life. When you're really young and you don't haven't really done much with your life, you don't have those accomplishments, you're just focused on the accomplishments, you're focused on the achievement, fantastic. Get some affirmative, objective accomplishments. There's nothing more annoying than the guy who's talking about his IQ and he's you know, 50. He hasn't, you know, where are your books at? Well, I'm smarter than everyone else and the people just don't recognize it. Uh, okay, what, what, what is your accomplishment then? What are your great achievements then? Because by then you ought to have them, right? You're, when you're younger and you want to talk about you know IQ and how smart you are and how talented you are, yeah, you're young. You haven't had enough time to do anything. But hey, you reach my age, you ought to have done something. You know, I'm 38, 40, 45. 50. You should have done something to justify your vision of yourself if you think you're that special. But when you're young, yeah, just go get it. But then as you become more accomplished, you got to start being more conscious and think, well, what am I giving up and what am I getting and is it worth it? That's my message to you today. Thank you for being part of the 1 million listens. It's kind of kind of trippy, you know, just start a, a podcast in a kitchen somewhere. I think I said living room earlier. <laughs> one, of, one of my haters is going to be, you know, we caught Mike lying again. He, he said the podcast was starting in the living room. 
Oh, and then he said it was in the kitchen. The guy just, the guy just can't keep his facts straight, you know? Yeah, it was actually started in the kitchen and, you know, here we are a million listens later and we're going to do, I don't know, we'll do, I wouldn't even say we'll do a million more. We're going to do a hundred million more because that's kind of the way growth is. Growth is not linear. You start off small, stay small, and then you go medium and then we'll go big. That's what's next. Thanks as always for listening in. If you haven't already, leave me a rating or review because that's how we get people on the podcast and get more people to listen as they look at it. They see a bunch of ratings and they think, all right, I'm going to check it out. Talk to you soon. This is Mike Cernovich from Danger and Play and Gorilla Mindset.